All right. Well, good morning once again to all you beautiful apes out there. Thank you guys so much again for joining us here on the live stream. If you are listening to us on the live, if you're listening to us afterwards, hope you're having a great day too as well. Uh, but you won't be able to see here what I got behind me. You know, as you guys can see, we prepared a lovely Thanksgiving meal. I was able to snap some turkey necks, feed the family for the year. We'll see what happens next year, but for now we're vibing with it. And we definitely don't want things to change. Obviously, what we're doing here is getting into the daily peel from yesterday. That's going to be the edition for November 22nd, uh, Wednesday, November 22nd, that is. It is currently 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, right on the dot. We're going over all the best news of tomorrow that's impacting markets today. we got a bit of an uptick at the open here, but things are starting to get a little bit rocky now. Definitely going to want to stay tuned, see what's going on. Uh, obviously, it's not a big news week, given that it's a holiday week and everything, but we'll still keep you updated, still keep you entertained on all the most important things going on. We did get some crazy action going on yesterday. Obviously, the most important stuff was some updates to OpenAI, but there was some crazy stuff going on in the world of cryptocurrencies and digital assets and all that stuff as well. Trust me, it's even crazier than the usual stuff that goes on over there. We'll get into it in just a couple of minutes here. But before we do, obviously, we got to move over into the meme of the day. Now, I thought this was just an absolute work of art from the people over at the Wall Street Oasis Instagram. These people really are meme artists over there. And as you can see, being on the cover of Forbes is basically a death wish for all kind of tech CEOs. We got Elizabeth Holmes, we got Sam Bankman Fried. Now we got CZ, the former hero of crypto who was thought to have brought down FTX. He's just as big of a scumbag himself now. Only thing is, he's probably not going to see jail time as much as many of us would like to see that. And then, of course, we have SVB with uh, being named one of the best banks in the world, into, or in the United States, excuse me, in 2022 or 2023, the exact year that they happened to go bankrupt. I mean, you, you couldn't write a, like a comedy novella or a comedy play or anything that would sum this up. So it's just really poetic to see that. Fate really does love irony, and Elon's definitely right on the money about that. So officially being on the cover of Forbes is basically the equivalent to the Madden curse, just for tech CEOs instead of NFL players here. But uh, now that we're past the meme of the day, we can go ahead and get into things. What are we talking about today? So first and foremost, there's going to be some Fed meeting, uh, or excuse me, some Fed meeting minutes. Uh, I'll try to make sure we don't all collectively fall asleep once we get into that, as it was really the most boring Fed minutes anybody's ever seen. We got a bunch of retail earnings today. It was a retail of two cities, if I don't mind myself. Uh, and then, of course, finally, we got some news with Binance, or as certain people like to call it, Binance as well. But we'll get into that. Don't worry about it. Uh, now, yesterday was a rather sporadic day for markets. It was a bit of a light red day. Most indices were down here in the U.S. The Russell took the hardest hit, losing 1.29%. Uh, the Dow's 8.18% loss was uh, basically the it was the top performer of the day. Did happen to beat out our analysts over at WSO Alpha. No surprise there. Those guys are something else, and they lost about 34 basis points on the day. 10 years sitting right around 4.4%, two years at 4.9%. Still heavily inverted. We'll be following that until it stops being inverted, and we'll definitely keep you updated on when and if that ever happens. Now, we did get some big earnings reports yesterday as well. There was a lot going on. We didn't necessarily get a chance to talk about it or get into it too much in yesterday's edition, but that's what's going to be coming out on Friday. Oh, which reminds me, no edition tomorrow as it is Thanksgiving Day here in the United States. So be on the lookout for Friday's update. We'll be going live then as well. Uh, and definitely some good stuff to get into, probably NVIDIA's earnings, which went exactly how you would expect it to. They absolutely knocked it out of the park, tripled revenue from last year, but stock didn't really get much love for it, at least in the after hours of market, and especially this morning, just given that the expectations were so high behind this name. Now, speaking of OpenAI and all that drama, the Wall Street Journal did go deep into the board members who made that happen. Really interesting story to cover there, but the most interesting piece was our boy Ilya Sutskever, 
This guy is the chief scientist of OpenAI. He's probably one of the smartest humans on Earth right now. He's got this uh, this FRS designation, which is some random shit that people care about because for whatever reason, the British royal family still somehow runs the world. Uh, but so he's got that FRS designation, which certifies him as a smart dude. And he was the chief scientist. I mean, looking at all these accomplishments here, if we scroll down at some of the awards and honors, Shut it up by MIT almost eight years ago as one of the 35 innovators under 35. I mean, he spoke at NVIDIA and tech in 2018. If you're teaching NVIDIA about tech, you got to be on a whole different level. Then 2022, he was given that fellow of the Royal Society designation. So obviously some guy uh, to be on the lookout for. He really orchestrated the whole ousting of Sam Altman and then immediately went on Twitter and regretted his actions not 24 hours later. So really funny to see somebody so smart dancing around and kind of fumbling around their decisions like that. And just reminds you that not everybody's not only is not everyone perfect, but nobody is perfect, and definitely not this guy as well. Although he's sure is a lot smarter than most of us are. Now we can get into some of these Fed minutes here today. Like I said, it was probably the most boring thing uh, that I've ever seen come across my screen here or in financial markets. We won't spend too much time. Essentially, we didn't learn anything. Uh, they basically told us that the FOMC has agreed to proceed carefully. Guess they weren't proceeding carefully beforehand. Uh, don't really know what that means, but it's kind of one of those nonsense Fed speak statements that doesn't really mean anything, but is left open to interpretation in a million different ways. So if we scroll down, we did shout out some of the most important quotes where they almost came close to actually giving us information about what they think. I know it was a pretty close call there. It would have been absolutely crazy if they actually did. But like I said, they said the data arriving in the coming months would help clarify the inflation picture. Easing labor market t- conditions are helping out in that sense with Wage growth uh, still above inflation, but on the downtrend, which is kind of in that Goldilocks scenario that we love to see. Increase in longer-term treasury yields is definitely on their radar as part of the, uh, not necessarily overall economic picture, but as part of the financial picture, which plays a big role in terms of rate setting. Expectations do play a big role. They talk a lot about uh, market-implied expectations by the CME Group's measure that we talk about all the time here at the Daily Peel. But either way, Uh, It it didn't really seem like it was having much of a big impact in the last meeting, but it could have a big impact going forward as any big surprises to the actual movement of the uh, federal funds rate would come as would certainly bring kind of a a convex level of shock to the markets overall. And we'd likely see an outsized reaction, whether it's higher or lower, certainly is not something that the Fed's going to want to see. But incoming data on consumer spending again, surprise to the upside. uh, And that led to this other bullet point here. They kind of expected um, or uh, far above expected growth in the third quarter. They don't necessarily expect it to happen again in the fourth quarter. We're seeing we're expecting a big slowdown, especially compared to last year's holiday season, as it despite 2022 not being a great year for markets, it was a pretty good year overall for the economy, at least uh, in terms of consumer spending. So they're definitely not expecting a strong performance compared to last year, but it is the biggest spending quarter of the year. So definitely something to be on the lookout for as consumer spending is the lifeblood of the American economy. Just Make sure you're getting out there and you're contributing to this wonderful charity that we do call the U.S. economy. Buy something for your mom. Buy something for your grandparents. Sure, they're probably going to go ahead and return it, but at least you'll be contributing to this beautiful charity of an economy that we have. Now, to interpret some of that Fed speak, obviously you need years of translation practice. I definitely don't have that. I don't think anybody on earth actually does, but we went ahead and did our best trying to translate exactly what they're saying. Essentially, boils down to a couple of points. First and foremost, inflation and other signs. Uh, of the economy running too hot have continued to retreat doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be cutting rates anytime soon but it decreases the odds of a further rate hike i mean if they hike rates again in december jerome powell should be arrested for 
economic abuse. I mean, that is absolutely insane to be tightening even more than we already are. Keep in mind, there's you know $90 billion running off the balance sheet every month as well. So that tightening is occurring at the same time. Uh, so they're kind of still double dipping on the tightening picture. But again, saying that it's going to be decreasing the odds of the need to raise rates again, especially in the next meeting in December. Now, they went a little bit further to say that those signs may have actually gone as far as to reverse course and present a much slower growth in Q4. Basically, we don't want to be above potential growth as that's going to be what triggers inflation. But you don't necessarily want to be below potential growth as well because that's going to be what triggers uh, growing unemployment. And so obviously the Fed's job is to balance inflation and unemployment. Being at that potential growth is really something that only exists in theory. Uh, so it's not something we can ever observe in real time. But it's something that, nevertheless, the Fed tries to do. It's one of the things these government boards really like to do is pursue absolutely impossible goals uh, in the event that, well, knowing full well that we're never actually going to achieve them, but still trying to tell us that that's kind of the long-term goal. Really only is going to be possible in theory and in hindsight. But, hey, they're doing their best. Everybody's still doing pretty well from an economic and kind of financial standpoint, or at least a lot of people are, uh, especially going back to the wage picture scenario. We're still seeing low-income earners. Uh, outperform the top income earners in terms of their wage growth. Now, of course, it's not a pretty picture for everybody out there, but it's a lot better than most people expected at this point. We'll see if that can hold true going into Q4. The Fed certainly is a little bit on edge about that. Now, the other big thing that they mentioned was financial conditions. They've remained strong, but have deteriorated over the past quarter or so, especially the term premium on treasuries, kind of expanding the equity risk premium as well. Definitely something the Fed's keeping their eye on. And then finally, the biggest major point was even more than usual, we have absolutely no idea what to do going forward. Not that the Fed ever really knows what they're doing. I don't I don't want to suggest that whatsoever because that would take a lot of convincing. However, it seems like they were even more confused and even more caught off-footed than normal. Uh, so we'll see what's going on. But essentially what they're trying to do is signal that they're not necessarily going to be making any major moves at the December meeting. If they were to come out there and say like, hey, you know, the economy's been pretty hot. It's been doing a, a lot better than we expected at the beginning of half of this year. And now things have kind of deteriorated a little bit. So we may have gone too far with the rate hikes and we might need to start cutting. If they came out and said that, all hell would break loose because equity markets would immediately rip. Bond yields would fall. I mean, things would just work in the complete opposite direction of what the Fed actually wants. So in order to continue that soft landing, it's kind of like they have to look at us and wink with everything that they say and say, like, you know, I don't really mean this. Uh, but it's something that they have to say to kind of keep market expectations under control. As in economics, expectations drive reality. It's a big Hawthorne effect, or as we like to call it, the J-Pawthorne effect. And so we'll see if that holds true going forward. Moving on down below into some of these retail earnings, Burlington Stores and Dick Sporting Goods were two of the big winners of the day. Like we said, it really was a retail of two cities. Beginning with Burlington, it was a great quarter for the low-cost uh, kind of coat factory and other random shit store. Everybody knows Michael Scott is a big fan. That was a great scene in the office. When he gets blood thrown all over him in that uh, kind of fur coat or whatever the hell he went and bought. Either way, earnings came in at $0.98 cents a share on $2.29 billion in revenue coming right in line with the $0.97 cents per share on the exact same revenue figure that the market was expecting. However, shares absolutely continued to rip because the earnings, they did come slightly above, although they basically were right in line. Shares ripped because expectations were so low for this company, kind of the opposite of what we're seeing with NVIDIA today. But Burlington was down more than a third all year. There was, they've been very inconsistent in terms of their earning beats over the past 
seven or eight quarters or so. So the fact that it was a beat, uh, given that shares are down 33% for the year, led to a bit of an outsized return. Then if somebody else who had some better expectations was to report the same thing. Either way, Mr. Marco was absolutely loving it. Um, and they sent shares much higher on the day. Dick Sporting Goods, my personal favorite name of any company in the entire world. They could have one of the best tickers on earth, but instead they went with DKS. You know, I understand why, but not that I agree with the decision-making. Certainly wouldn't have made the same decision myself, but either way, it's something that uh, maybe they can consider for the future. So the funniest named retail in the world, they managed to come up heads on the actual coin toss of retail earnings that existed this quarter. EPS came in at 285 a share on $3.04 billion in sales, just slightly beating out expectations of 244 per share on $2.94 billion. They beat on both the top and bottom. According to management, as sad as it sounds, one of the biggest reasons for the beat was a reduction in shrink from the last couple of quarters. Shrink is retail jargon for theft or just downright stealing by customers. So the fact that that being on the downtrend is enough to drive a beat like this is a really uh, kind of sad reflection of where we are. But hey, We'll take it nonetheless. We'll take gains any day of the week that they're giving them out. And if you were index, congratulations on your 2.17% rise. Moving on to the completely opposite end of the retail of two cities here. We're definitely getting into the bad part of town. And that starts out with American Eagle Outfitters. One of the most iconic brands in the U.S. You know, typically they're associated with I want to fly like an eagle. Yesterday it was all about Tom Preddy's free fallen as the company lost well over 15%, nearly a fifth of its value in a single day, as EPS came in at $0.49 cents a share on sales of $1.3 billion, versus expectations for pretty much exactly that. Estimates were for $0.48 cents a share and $1.28 billion, so they came basically right in line. However, projections for the coming quarters, it was really their projections for their operating income for the fourth quarter that deteriorated shares so much, unlike... Uh, Unlike Burlington stores above, American Eagle hadn't done as terribly over the past year or so. So investors had been expecting a little bit better. So they were really disappointed. It's basically the opposite effect of what we saw above with Burlington. They just had that outsized return to the downside. Moving on down below to Kohl's, you know, everybody knows that every kiss begins with K, but every plummet in share price also begins with a bad earnings report. It's exactly what we saw with American Eagle. It's exactly what we're seeing from Kohl's as well. This is the final edition of the Retail of Two Cities. Kohl's came in and reported $0.53 cents a share on their bottom line, over expectations of $0.35 cents a share. However, on the revenue side, things were tough. It was They managed to only pull in about $3.8 billion versus the $3.9 billion expected. Now, essentially, it seems like the market has been made aware that these companies are doing a good job of cost-cutting so far this year. But what they're nervous about for the rest of the year, and especially into 2024, is actual demand for their products. So it's almost as if revenue growth and uh, kind of beating revenue estimates has become more important than earnings growth and beating earnings estimate, which is the traditional way. Ben Graham would be absolutely rolling in his grave right now if he knew that was going on. Obviously, it's earnings that matter most when you're an equity shareholder, at least in theory again. But when it comes to practice, which is what we do here at the Peels, what we do on Wall Street, uh, you got to be a little bit more realistic sometimes. In certain situations, things change. What matters now might not matter as much in a year. And right now, it's all about sales and demand growth. Moving on down below to our favorite story of the day, it's all about when the music stops. Now, the music hasn't necessarily stopped in crypto markets like it did for Lehman Brothers back in 2008, but it certainly has gone down quite a bit. I think the speakers have blown. And essentially, What's going on here is a great representation or is represented great by that scene in Margin Call when they're all sitting around the table and that moron executive John Tald, whatever his name is, is sitting there. Basically, he's acting like he's on an LSD trip while the literal rocket scientist is trying to tell him that his firm's going to go under. And he just kind of sits there and taps his finger on the desk and 
you know, it, it's one of the really dramatic scenes in the movie. It's honestly a great scene. You should go watch it. But, man, does that guy really infuriate me. The quote is, he says, what you're telling me is the music about to stop and we're going to be left holding the biggest bag of odorous excrement ever assembled in the history of capitalism. That's directly from the movie Margin Call. It's essentially what's happening to Binance right now, except instead of holding that big odorous bag, they're handing that right over to the Treasury Department in the form of a $4.3 billion fine. That's the largest fine in the history of the Treasury Department right there. It's a total of $3.4 billion that's going to be going to FinCEN and a couple other hundred million, 900 something million going to OFAC, which is the uh, Organization of Foreign Assets Control or the Office of Foreign Assets Control, I believe it is. But either way, before we get too far into things, uh, I think we really have the video of the day in Treasury Secretary. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Um, I mean, you guys all know that one of the immediate signs that somebody is a douchebag when they're walking around the office is if they pronounce finance finance. I'm sure your MD does, but anybody in the younger generations who says the words finance, automatic douchebag. There's no coming back from that. And Janet Yellen just made it absolute poetry yesterday. I believe we have the video to pull up and we're going to see if this works right about now. And who finance is also required to report the suspicious transactions it has failed to report to date and to establish. See, I mean, Binance is required to report. I mean, I got, I couldn't hear her after she said Binance. That was all I was thinking about for the rest of the interview. But either way, we can go ahead and move on. She's an old lady. We don't want to beat up on her too much. But she said Binance. They're going to have to file these reports. They're called suspicious activity reports. It's essentially what every other bank has to do. But to get into that, we kind of have to explain exactly what's going on a little bit more in detail first. So, the Treasury Department, the Department of Justice has been investigating Binance for quite a long time for skirting various U.S. financial laws. As we all know here at the Daily Peel, and we've been able to see over the past couple of years with the crypto markets, the U.S. does not fuck around when it comes to breaking financial law. So essentially what Binance would do is they would set up, uh, well, there was quite a lot of different allegations, and we listed out some of the main ones. So First and foremost was failing to register as a money services business. Anybody that's involved in transferring money has to register with the Treasury Department. Binance did not do that. Clear, blatant violation. There's absolutely no coming back from that. Violations of U.S. and international sanctions. This referred to allowing some certain, uns let's say, unsavory organizations around the world to be able to gain access. Uh, certain ones that are involved in wars right now that we don't necessarily have to get into here at the Daily Peel Global Headquarters. Uh, but basically allowing those organizations to skirt certain sanctions also was a big part of the violations, failing to maintain an effective anti-money laundering control system, basically the exact same thing. But in the U.S., if you're going to operate as a money services business, you have to have AML KYC laws. That's anti-money laundering. Know your customer. It's some of the most annoying stuff in the world. If you're a customer at a bank, you may once in a while get calls from some poor kid that's just trying to do his job that's going to be asking you incredibly personal questions that you won't want to answer. I definitely recommend yelling at them. It's not like that was my old job or anything, but um, it's one of the most important things for quite a lot of banks. They also had no clear separation between U.S. and international business. Yes, there was a Binance U.S. domain, but it was kind of more of a shell than anything really didn't help out, especially given that employees actively encouraged some of the largest traders on Binance uh, to use VPNs and do other things to kind of skirt U.S. rules and go to the Binance.com instead of BinanceUS.com. Now, not only that, but they did give certain back channels to these um, uh, like large traders, what are called whales in the crypto space. So they encourage whales to skirt all these rules while they applied them to certain smaller traders. But either way, having no separation in those businesses is a big no-no. Then finally, they willfully allow transactions involving illicit activities to occur. I mean, this kind of explains itself. 
you know, they basically just turned the other cheek. And it was really summed up in one of the quotes from one of the employees that we included down below. Now, essentially what they said is, this guy was an absolute moron for putting this in company channels. He knows that stuff can't be deleted for at least six years at financial firms like this. He said that the company needs to get a banner that says, is washing drug money too hard these days? Come to Binance. You just dug your own grave there, idiot. So very glad to see that. But either way, CZ, the big story is that he went from being the hero to the kind of villain once again. Everybody credited him with bringing down FTX last year, even though that's not at all what happened. But people kind of credited him with that because he can't tweets right before the actual event occurred but uh this time he really has dug his own grave and now he's laying down in it he himself has to pay a 50 million dollar criminal penalty as well there's also going to be further sentencing for him to determine if there is going to be any kind of jail time if further criminal charges are brought definitely a story you'll want to stay tuned for but man the dominoes just continue to fall in the crypto industry we'll see how long bitcoin can last especially for that bitcoin etf i mean every time that something like this happens and bitcoin eth and all the other coins don't go away if only if nothing else the network only gets stronger nassim taleb's idea of anti-fragility in bitcoin is definitely experiencing that in real time as we speak now finishing up with the quote of the day from none other than john bogle founder of vanguard here if you have trouble managing or imagining excuse me a 20 percent loss on the stock market you should not be in stocks. Couldn't agree more. That's why we're all about the degeneracy over here at the Daily Peel. Uh, one of our favorite things is gambling, losing money, making money. We don't care if we lose or make money as long as we're right. Essentially, that's all it's about. We are here for the degeneracy and the love of the game purely uh, and nothing else. Now, we're also here this week for the love of Turkey, for the love of our families and everything else we're thankful for. Obviously, as you guys can see who are watching the live, I got a great dinner to get to right here, so I got to go run to that. We're having Thanksgiving a little bit early this year. But like I said, we'll see you guys on Friday. We're going to be recovering all day tomorrow, and we'll be back on the live on Friday morning. A lot of good stuff to come, NVIDIA's earnings, and I'm sure some other shenanigans are going to go down before then. But we hope to see you guys there. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us today, and have a great rest of your day.